Welcome, everybody. From all around the world. Welcome to this podcast. Escaping the entanglements of our lives. You got yours, and I've got mine. I'm your host, I'm Dolphus Q. I'm the originator and the creator of this podcast. Now our lives, yours and mine, are easily entangled with things both real and imaginary, benign and malignant. And you know, it does not matter so they says to the man between the fiction and reality, our minds can be so entangled in things that we do not know <laughs> up and down. But I maintain Whatever the entanglements, an escape is possible. The old adage about facing your fears and your fears running away. Well, that's how it is with our entanglements. We face our foes. <laughs> and find we have nothing to fear. But by the same token, they seem so real. And if you're following me, I hope you are, then you know my story. I'm dealing with one of the major entanglements of my life. And I'm facing it head on. I got the bull. <laughs> by the horns. So I'm reading and writing my book before your very ears. And at the same time, I'm setting myself free from my entanglements. Now I suppose there are many ways to do it and perhaps the easiest way is to do like Buddha and go sit under a yum-yum tree. Now you can reach me at dolphusq at yahoo.com uh, q dolphus at gmail.com We'd love to hear from you. Love to know how you're dealing with the entanglements of your lives. But now, like the walrus said, the time has come for the reading of the word. Episode 19, chapter 19, The Hidden Sins of Sin City.
Sin City and POTUS quarters were many miles apart, but the Crown Victoria cut those miles to minutes within seconds. Willie James drove the Crown Victoria like the driver of a fire truck rushing to a burning fire without a flashing red light or screaming siren. Such noises arose from frantic and frightened drivers whose vehicles came too close for comfort as the Crown Victoria speeded past them like they stood still. Those drivers blew their horns and shouted obscenities. Willie James' foot fed more fuel to the Crown Victoria's carburetor. Jimmy nervously tapped a foot to the floorboard and pressed his lips together each time the Crown Victoria overtook and passed another vehicle. Leon glanced up from his watch and peered ahead into the fast oncoming distance and smiled like a chill winner. I can see Sin City from here. In the distance, Jimmy saw the red clay rooftops of a collection of apartment complexes. The arrangement of the rooftops reminded him of the high-rise projects in Chicago, but these red clay rooftop apartments were not as tall as the high-rise projects in Chicago. Palm trees towered above those red rooftops tops like clouds. Jimmy saw some sign posted somewhere that read Sin City. Jimmy saw none, then heard Leon tell Willie James to slow down and make a right turn at the next traffic light. Immediately, Jimmy saw a gathering of college students, male and females, either coming or going, dressed in University of Florida attire are carrying bags that bore that brand. Jimmy took a quick look at Willie James. Is this a part of the university too? Leon laughed and answered, Nah, the big boys ain't got their hands on this gold mine yet. It is cheaper to live out here. Most of these apartments are occupied by students. Willie James drove the Crown Victoria slowly under the direction of Lee Art, who seemed uncertain as to the exact location he sought, and instead kept his eyes focused for a landmark. Slow down, slow down. No, not it. Keep going, keep going. Jimmy got closer glimpses of the apartment complexes. They all looked as if they were built from the same brick and all had red rooftops and all had three floors. The upper two floors had balconies. The first floor had none. They all bore a name to distinguish one from the other and a few posted the amenities they 
offered. The amenities range from a basic studio apartment to a luxurious four-bedroom suite on every floor. But regardless of the ranges, the entire complex seemed to serve as off-campus housing for students. Jimmy saw some sign posted that read, Sorry, we have no vacancies. These Sin City apartments are always full, said Leon. The best time to get an apartment out here is to apply the day after commencement. Otherwise, every sign you see will read full occupancy from Labor Day to the last week before Christmas. I guarantee rock and roll music will play all day and every night a celebration of some sort will be going on somewhere in Sin City. Leon paused and licked his lips with his tongue. <laughs> Sin City on the weekend is like a mecca to the faithful. There is a plethora of parties with free food, free booze, and free rock and roll with all those freedoms. Sin City is a mecca for party people after the sun goes down, especially on the weekends. But for someone who seeks the hidden sins in Sin City, they must know someone who knows someone like me. Leon spotted the landmark and became anxious. He shifted swiftly on the seat to the spot behind Jimmy, then rolled down the window and poked his head out like a dog does on a drive. Then suddenly, as if he spotted something on the ground, he gripped the back seat where Jimmy sat. Here, right here, Paul, Paul. I can't park here, Willie James said. This is a no parking zone. See the sign? Man, if that sign, cried Lee Hunt, then realizing something that made him relent. Okay, what about over there? Park on the left. Leon cracked the door open before Jimmy stopped, before Willie James stopped and parked. The moment Willie James switched the engine off, Leon opened the door like he was in a rush. Hey, Leon, wait a minute, Willie James called over his shoulder. What about the dough? Don't you need the money? Leon froze like an image in a photograph caught with his mouth open in a moment of surprise. Willie James handed him the envelope. It's all there. Wow, I almost forgot. Leon smiled as if he was embarrassed by this blunder. He stuffed the envelope into his hip pocket. He looked at his watch and smiled. This deal shouldn't take long. He hurried across the street, then walked leisurely towards the entrance of the apartment complex distinguished as the Golden Horizon. Willie James had watched Lee Hunt as he hurried across the street like a fox watches his prey. I'm going to bum rush the door Leon opens. Get that gun and get ready. Jimmy's face became a mass of 
fear and fright. Willie James kept his eyes focused on Leon. Do like we did on Sugar Hill. Once I'm in, count to ten, rush in with the pistol pointed, ready for action. Jimmy followed Willie James as he hurried towards the apartment complex, the golden horizon. Willie James started up the stairs to the balcony like a cat. Jimmy followed like he walked up on a suspension bridge made of vines. Willie James spotted Leon on the second floor just as he started to the third. Leon stopped at the door. He stood with his back to them. Jimmy couldn't tell from his view if Leon had knocked and waited for it to be opened or if he tried keys in the lock. Willie James goosed his neck for a better view. He motioned Jimmy to follow as he crept onto the balcony. The door was open. Leon's foot was across the threshold as Willie James bum-rushed the door and pushed Leon inside and slammed the door shut. Jimmy counted from one to ten like he was in no hurry to reach ten. The twenty-two automatic wavered in his hand with the rapid beats of his heart. Jimmy reached ten and ran to the door. The door was unlocked. Jimmy rushed into the room with the pistol pointed. Instantly, he was confused by what his eyes saw. Jimmy saw Willie James and Leon. They stood face to face. Leon had a long shank flathead screwdriver in his hand and was saying, Man, put that gun down. I ain't got time to explain. Willie James held the Colt 45 and demanded a better explanation. Leon muttered to himself as he seemed to look everywhere at once. I know it's here. I know it's here, he kept muttering. Jimmy asked to know what had happened. Leon was oblivious to all questions. Instead, demanded that they help look. Look for what? Leon scratched his eyes at Willie James. For what do you think? Three pounds of Gainesville green are hidden somewhere in this apartment. Now help me look. I ain't got time. Timbo will be back here around two. Willie James lowered the Colt 45 and let out a sigh of frustration as he shook his head in disbelief. I should have known it. I should have known it. Well, you knew it now, Leon barked like an attack dog. And if you hadn't been dragging your tail around, none of this would be happening. Now get in those bedrooms and check those closets. Don't you help me check the kitchen. Leon hurried into the kitchen where Jimmy started to search for what they sought. They pulled out every drawer and opened every door of the cabinets in the kitchen. They found nothing. Leon told Jimmy to check the stove, especially the oven. He hurried to the refrigerator. It was a split model with the freezer compartment at the top. Leon opened the refrigerator door first. He found nothing in the refrigerator and shut the door. He stood to check inside the freezer. He opened the door and shouted with delight. I found it! I done struck it rich. Jimmy hurried to the scene and gazed inside the freezer. It was packed with what looked 
like large freezer bags of frozen vegetables. The bags were clear but frosted over with an icy glaze. Leon grabbed a bag and held it in both hands. And although the bag was frosted over, Jimmy could discern dark, dried green buds of Gainesville Green. Leon pressed the bag to his lips and kissed it. Then he held the bag to his chest. He looked straight at Jimmy. His eyes was piercing and reflected pure self-confidence. This is my ticket out, <laughs> Leon grinned. I finally got my ticket out. Neither Leon nor Jimmy heard the door as it opened with caution, but they both heard the command and saw the pistol pointed at them with a deadly aim. Freeze, drop that bag, get your hands up, both of you. Timbo, Timbo, man, man, Leon began to grin like a possum under the glow of a bright light. Let me explain. I know how it looks, but I can't explain. The hand that held the pistol didn't belong to Timbo, who looked too stunned to speak as if he had caught his wife in the act of cheating before his very eyes. The man who held the pistol yelled to Leon to shut the hell up and then turned to Timbo. Is this character a friend of yours? I thought he was. That's why I begged you to do this deal. Leon still held the bag, still smiled, and began to insist again he could explain everything. The man who held the pistol grew impatient and narrowed his eyes at Leon. I told you to shut the hell up. Now shut your lying mouth and drop the effing bag. Leon puffed up his chest like a bird in defiance. Here, take it. Leon flung the bag at the man's head, whose reactions were a simultaneous series of events. The man ducked his head and threw up one hand with outstretched fingers to protect his face while a nervous finger on the other hand blindly pulled the trigger. It happened so fast it looked like a blur to Jimmy. Three shots popped from the pistol and as the projectiles cleared the barrel, one struck Leont like a bolt of lightning. He was knocked against the refrigerator. He clutched a bloody spot on his abdomen. Jimmy froze with fright, unable to move, unable to scream, able only to stare down the cannon-sized, still-smoking barrel of the pistol and expect the next projectile. Leon leaned up against the door of the refrigerator, whose freezer hung open to reveal its material contents. Leon slid slowly to the floor, finally landing with the freezer door open above his head. Bam! The, drum, the gunman dropped to the floor. Don't shoot! Timbo cried with his hands held high over his head. Don't shoot! Leon! Don't! You guys all right? It was Willie James he called from the bedroom. Jimmy breathed a sigh of relief. I'm all right, but Leon's is shot. Jimmy hurried to Leon. He sat with his back against the metal door of the refrigerator. He clutched his 
the bloody spot on his abdomen. Leon coughed. <laughs> Looks like they got the poor boy laugh. Leon tried to laugh, but winched with pain. Blood trickled from a corner of his mouth. He coughed again. But I had my ticket. I held it in my hand. Leon's voice faded down to nothing, but his eyes remained wide open. I never thought he'd go out like this, Willie James said as he entered the kitchen, like he checked the scene of the crime. He whistled at the sight of the bags. Let's pack all this and get the hell up out of here in case someone heard the shots and called the police. But what about Leon? Jimmy asked. We can't leave him here. Well, I don't like it, but the best option for us is to leave him. Willie James removed the plastic bag from the freezer and placed them on the counter. There were nine bags, and they looked exactly like the bag on the floor. Willie James asked Timbo to pick up the bag and placed it with the others on the counter. Then he asked Timbo where to find some grocery bags. It took two to hold the loot. Willie James told Jimmy to get the envelope that Leon had stuffed into his pocket. Jimmy knelt to the refrigerator and felt into the hip pockets of Leon's tight-fitting pants. He could hear Leon barely breathing. Jimmy tugged and finally pulled both the envelope and the wallet from the pocket. They came out as a unit from the tight pocket. Jimmy stuffed them both into the right front pocket of his pants. Willie James turns his attention to Timbo. Timbo's blue eyes glistened with tears. Both his hands shook in the air above his head. Are you going to shoot me, huh? You're the only witness, Willie James said, then pointed the long barrel at Timbo. I won't tell. Timbo cried and sank to the floor on his knees next to the body of the dead man with the pistol locked in his fingers, locked in his fingers in his cold, dead hands. Timbo locked his palm together like he intended to pray forever. He gazed up at Willie James through teary blue eyes. I won't tell, please. I won't tell. Don't shoot me. I won't tell. Jimmy waited at the door with the bags. He said nothing, but he wanted to scream with urgency that he saw an emergency unless something was done before it was became too late. Timbo dropped his chin to his chest, closed his eyes, and sobbed ceaselessly. I won't tell, please. I won't tell, please. I won't tell. His sobs soon seemed to mash with the soft sound stirring in the distance that slowly morphed into the sound of a screaming siren growing louder as it grew closer to Sin City. Every eye stretched in the room except those of Leont and the dead gunman on the floor. Every ear strained to hear, but none denied the urgency of the moment. Willie James looked away from Timbo to Jimmy, waiting at the door. Head to the car! He lowered the long barrel of the Colt 45 and stuffed the weapon into the waistband of his trousers at the small of his back. Then he hurried to the door himself. 
Jimmy waited with his forehead against the dashboard. He breathed in deep gulps of air. Within minutes, Willie James sat behind the stern wheel. He himself breathed deeply as he switched on the engine. We got to fly, Willie James said between a breath of fresh air, faster than the dust in the wind. The Crown Victoria sped away like a scared rabbit on the run for its life. Jimmy was instantly lost in a landscape of loops that looked legions away from Sin City, but not the sirens that screamed. Willie James took a sharp left turn that led to Crown Victoria through an affluent neighborhood that appeared unaccustomed to fast traffic on its pristine streets. Jimmy thought that at any moment a police car would cruise up behind them flashing a red light. This thought tortured Jimmy to the point of not hearing the screaming sirens fading far away until simultaneously he felt and heard the thump of the tires on the Crown Victoria as they speeded across the railroad tracks and Porter's quarters uh, came into view. And thus we have reached the end of our episode. Join us next Thursday for another episode of Escaping the Entanglements of Our Lives. So long, everybody, all around the world.